And we're back with your pop culture pundit, Tina Griffin, for the final segment of the Counterculture Mom Show. What's the church's role in these last days? Are Christians awake? Are pastors awake? Who will be left behind? This is the Counterculture Mom Show. I'm your host, Tina Griffin. Today, we're going to find out just how close we are to the end of the age, how close we are to Jesus's actual return. Things are heating up, people. Our guest began his writing with the Omega Letter 2011 to 2018 and has since branched out to create his own website, Rev310.net. To date, he has written over 500 articles, contributed to two books, written one fiction and one and co-written one nonfiction book. We are with Pete Garcia, founder of Rev310. How you doing, Pete? I'm doing good. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I know you're at some conference. You bounced out of that or some class. You're on yeah. the front of the battle lines in 50 different avenues. Thanks for <laughs> jumping on the program, literally. Oh, no problem. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. You're a writer, speaker, teacher of Bible prophecy. I love this topic. You've also been an aviator, 22-year Army veteran with four deployments to the Middle East, Europe, Asia. Thank you so much once again for your service, not just military keeping our freedoms here in america but literally undercover fbi agent with when it comes to bible prophecy so thank you (laughs) (laughs) you're happily married 15 years and father to five wonderful kids how do you have time for all that when you're fathering five children and trying to save this country and wake people up uh well i i get up really early in the morning or i stay awake really late at night after the kids have gone to bed so i get i get quite i get in trouble quite a bit uh from my kids and, and from my wife for 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 my <laughs> addiction to writing. So, well, the stuff you pump out on your website. Let's just dig in deep to Bible prophecy. You, myself, and the whole host of people now that have been talking for a while on this topic believe that Jesus will come back in the middle of someone watching this episode. For example, he's that close. We all feel it in our heart and and mind, and we have the urgency behind it. What really got your interest going with Bible prophecy? How did it change your life? It was the fall of 2007, and I was in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. I was stationed there at the 101st Airborne, and I was going to church about once a month, maybe. Maybe not even that much. I mean, basically, I went just to say I went, you know, or to, for whatever reason. But the the one Sunday that I went, it was in September, and I'll never forget it. I was um, sitting in the very back of the church. It was dark darkened you know people were up on stage giving their testimony and it was like the one sunday that i went where everybody's on stage giving their testimonies about how they donated extra money to help the church building funds and it was really really just not my cup of tea at that point and there wasn't anybody in front of me there wasn't anybody behind me and i just remember hearing some it sounded like somebody spoke to me and i and i know that um, personal experiences are highly subjective, right? But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there just minding my own business and in clear as day, I heard three words, prepare the underground <gasps> and clear, clear as day. And, and, and so you got to remember at this point, I'm not into prophecy. I'm not, in, I'm not even into going to church. I'm just kind of there to make my mom happy. Cause I have said, I could tell her I went to church that month or something. I was not religious by any stretch of the imagination at this point in my life. I was 33 living i was single living the dream i was a helicopter pilot you know just having fun and and i was back from a deployment getting ready to go to on another deployment so you know partying all the time that was just my life and so i kind of went on the sunday on a whim 
So I heard those words. I'm freaking out. And I, I know enough about the Bible. You got to remember, I hadn't read the Bible. I hadn't really studied or anything in 15 years. I hadn't really gone to church very sporadically in 15 years. So I knew enough at that point to simply ask. I said, God, I, I don't know if that was from you. Because I know there are other spiritual beings out there like the devil and, and right. demons and things like that. I said, you know, if this is from you, have the pastor call me this week because I needed to know if this was from you or from some something else. So you were testing God? I was just verifying. <laughs> <laughs> I was verifying, verifying who was who sending this message to me. You and I work so much alike. I usually have to hear it three times within a week. God will bring it to me. Tina's not going to get the first time. I'm telling her a second time, here's yeah. some lights or something that comes random in a mailbox. So you said, Pastor, have him call me, and then I'll believe that it came from you. What happened? So that was Sunday, and the whole Sunday, I'm just still kind of reeling over what happened, because nothing like that has ever happened to me before, you know? And so uh, on Wednesday at noon, I get a call from this pastor, and he doesn't know me. You know, he doesn't... I'm, I don't even know how he got my number. Maybe when I when I joined the church or something a year earlier or something. So I he called me out of the blue and I, my jaw was on the floor. I was at the hangar at, at that time. Um, you know, I was a platoon leader at the time. I had a bunch of soldiers under me and we're doing stuff. And so it was the middle of the day, the middle of the week. This guy calls me and asks me something. And I'm just like, you know, I can't even talk at this point. I finally kind of blurted out to him and he probably thought I was a nutcase at that point. So I was just like, ah, so anyways, so that happened. And then uh, three things happened to me in the fall that really, that's how I got to where I am today. And all the information that you asked God for, I mean, you asked him for clarity. He's like, boom, here it is. And how you explain things when I was on your website, which we're going to get to here in a minute, rev310.net. It's not just your articles that are phenomenal. It's the people that respond to them and the conversations that are had in between each person that sees your article. We, I wish I had like five hours to talk to you because I have like five critical questions I want you to kind of run through. When I heard you on Jan Markell's program about a month ago, I was constantly typing up more notes of what you talked about. So that's your history of what you went through. God opened your eyes major with what we're going on right now, with what we're seeing right now in actual culture in our country, where do you think the church is headed? Where do you think the United States is headed in 2022 and beyond as far as Bible prophecy and how we are, how close we are to the end? Well, the Bible is replete with nations that play roles in the, in the last days. Um, there's mentions of Libya, Persia, which is Iran, uh, Turkey, Russia, uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, so uh, even in even in Ezekiel and Daniel's day, they you know God was showing them these nations that would be in existence at the time of the end. Yes. And anywhere, and there, and there's nowhere in Scripture that there is any nation that resembles the United States. And, and, and a lot of prophecy uh, experts and scholars have talked about this for years. And there's a lot of debate as to whether the USA plays a role or not. I am of the opinion that it doesn't. And I think that the silence in scripture on the greatest nation that's ever existed is deafening. And so the fact that, that we have the nation that we have, which I believe was ordained by God to exist at this point in time and place, 
for specific reasons. Um, but I think the fact that we're not mentioned at all is to me um, the the greatest sign that we're we don't play a role as, as a as the country we are today. So I believe at some point, probably in conjunction with the rapture, that that the U.S. will collapse, and when we collapse economically, that'll drag the whole world down with it economically. Um, nature hates a vacuum, so there will be a quick rush to fill that vacuum, and this will be a, this will force a new world order to emerge. Right? It, it will force. Right now, we're in the old world order, the world order that was established right after World War II with the Bretton Woods Agreement, with NATO, the United Nations, and all that. And the U.S. is kind of the lead superpower. Well, that will come to an end at the rapture because you got to think about it. If the rapture takes even 10% of the population, that's still 30 million people that, that are gone instantly. 30 million people that are not showing up to work. They're not paying their bills. They're not paying their mortgage. They're not, you know, set aside the fact all the chaos it's going to cause, just the, the monetary side of it. And as, as a nation, we're at $30 trillion in debt, uh, to, not to other nations, but to our future generations. So my that's- kids... No, you, you've got a point that I never even thought about. That is going to h- help the economy collapse just with believers that will no longer physically be here. We forget that the Christianity is apocalyptic in nature. It's a very revel- revelationary and that that we worship a supernatural God that spoke this universe ex nihilo, which is Latin for out of nothing. He, he spoke it just out of nothing. It yep. exists. He's an awesome, amazing creator God who can do whatever he wants. And we boiled our faith in him down to, you know, I shouldn't, you know, dance or drink or, or chew or dance, go with girls who do. You know, that's kind of like the old Baptist, uh, you know, ism of, you know, morality. And, it, and that's why it drove me away from church. And so I, that's why I'm so passionate about talking to this stuff. And I talk to this about the stuff with my kids, you know, like I talk, tell them about the rapture. We talk about angels. We talk about all this stuff. And, and I, I think that when we drive out the supernatural from Christianity, it kills, it kills, um, enthusiasm for it. And, and I think that a lot of preachers and pulpits today have been guilty of that for many, many decades. And so that's why we see this huge drop off in churches and, and, and you got to imagine you're a kid, let's say you're 18, or, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, and you live in a world where you have the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you have right. the Superman, you have all kinds of shows on. I went to a bookstore a couple of weeks ago with my mom, the teenage section, 99% of it's about magic. It's about the supernatural. It's about everything from Harry Potter to everything, all the Harry Potter knockoffs. And, and I mean, it's just, it was all, that's all it was. It was and it, it looks was exciting sometimes. and enticing. So if that looks exciting and enticing, why would kids want to go to church if pastors and youth pastors and everybody else church related, primarily the leaders in churches today are not showing the excitingness of who God is. And, and for your article that you wrote, Living in the Last Days, A Practical Guide. The reason why I really liked it is that you didn't say that we need to hoard up, and at the same time, you didn't say don't be unprepared. Some of the things I want to let the viewers know and the people tuning in via audio, here is what Pete listed off as the spiritual preparedness. First and foremost, be prayed up, read your Bibles faithfully, trust that God has your best interests at heart. 
Be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Die with dignity. Keep your personal and professional affairs in order. Keep 120 hours worth of essential items. I thought that was so good. And extra flashlights. Yeah, batteries. You have aluminum foil, buckets, emergency radio, uh, duct tape, extra shoes, boots. All of this will be in the show notes, everyone, underneath the link of his phenomenal article that I loved, Living in Last Days, A Practical Guide. We don't know how long we're going to be here before the rapture happens. And yet at the same time, I would rather be prepared if not. And if we have supplies that we leave behind because we're out of here, well, then our neighbors can get the duct tape plus a Bible and hopefully be led to the Lord through what we left behind. I think it's so key because I really think Christ is right around the corner. Um, how long do you think that we have, Pete? How Because of the headline news, we have... Israel peace treaty talks. We've got a temple rebuilt talks. We've got rumors of wars right now with Russia, China. I've heard that there's Chinese troops that have been trained in our country for the last two to three decades. And I believe that they have been. I've seen footage. I've got to believe that God does things um, with specificity and, and he's not just doing things arbitrarily. So for instance, there was 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham. There was 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus. And now we're coming up on the 2,000th year of his crucifixion in the year 2032. So in about 11 years would be the 2,000th anniversary. So we know that the Bible you know, references a day is as 1,000 years. Psalm 90, and I think it's in 1 Peter 3, I'm not sure, or 2 Peter 3. There is correlations that, that, you know, God exists outside of time and space. So to him, sure. the day is, is, is a thousand years. But, um, you know, when you have that same repeated pattern over and over and over, um, I've got to believe that that the Bible is going to stick stick to it. Um, so we are coming up on the 2,000-year anniversary of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. We don't know exactly what year he was born, and there's some... Um, discussion over what year exactly he died but we know roughly within about a three-year window between the year like 29 AD or 29 to 32 um, AD in the first century so we understand that that there's about a three-year window so I think we're very close Um, how far we get to that you know also depends on whether there's a gap in time between the rapture and the start of the, the tribulation so I think there's a gap I think we're very, very close. I think all the conditions, all the convergence that's happening. um, So here's something that I that I'll um, I wrote about. I haven't published it yet, but when you have um, the three things that are necessary for the Antichrist and the the false prophet and the beast, this government, this last global government, to come into play. Yes, all three of those things are in play right now, and they're they are literally. If the rapture happened tomorrow, could that government come into being? Absolutely, it could. Yes, within just that gap of time, right? The two to three years at the latest. It doesn't even really need that full amount of time. So we're already there. And then the thing that's kind of greasing the skids on all of those—the political, the economic, and the religious side of the house—is the technology. The technology is a one piece that was missing all this time. You know, going back to the to Nimrod, to the pharaohs, to the Romans, and the, you know, Charlemagne, to Napoleon, to Hitler. That technology piece was what was missing from them being able to conquer the world. And now that we have the technology to do it, uh, I believe that that really there's not, you know, we're living in, in borrowed time at this point. So I don't, I don't give us 
I, I think the 2020s, let me put it that way, the 2020s, we will see the return of Christ at the rapture. I absolutely... My, my opinion. <laughs> my opinion is that as well. Putin, leader of Russia right now, already gave his blessing to Emmanuel Macron, the leader of France, to be the New World Order leader when they form the New World Order. I'm like, what? This is like revelation unfolding right before our eyes. Cashless society, the skyrocketing food prices we see in our country in America, the food shortage because of the COVID chaos, pandemic, all these pieces come together. What is your last bit of advice for people tuning in right now, Christians that want to help reach the lost, how should they stay focused on that task and not be led astray by mainstream media, the chaos with wearing a mask, a shot, all these other distractions and things trying to destroy our temple? What can you tell the people tuning in right now to stay on the straight and narrow and be focused on the one thing God told us to do, which is make disciples? You know, anytime I got into a public arena at my command, the army stuff, anytime I got a chance to share the gospel, I did. And, and I, and I just said, Hey, I'm a proud follower of Jesus Christ. And at the time, my whole body is saying, don't do it. It's embarrassing. So and so's in the audience. And I just have to fight that and say, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to pronounce Jesus Christ publicly and loudly. They can either accept it. If they don't, then I will. That's on them. That's not on me. And but, the thing I keep encouraging people too is if we are doing what God's call us to do, we don't have to worry about what their response is. At least we're doing what God's call us to do. It would chew me up inside if I'm, there's how many stories I could share when I lived in LA and I have my Bible with me and I'm on a movie set and God's like, share with that celebrity about me. And I'm like, eh, but I've learned if I don't, it's chewing in my gut for the next four weeks or three years later. So after the first one or two times I was too afraid, one guy died. I was um, working with his brother on set, a movie out for ABC out in Amsterdam came back to the States, had a producer party in the Hollywood Hills. The cast member, a friend of mine, his younger brother was at this party and God said, share to him, share to Jimmy. Talk to Jimmy about me. Do you know I denied the Lord about six times at night because I want to look cool at this Hollywood party and not Jesus on number one time I'm meeting this guy? Come on. He died 48 hours later in a car accident. I took his picture, put it up on my dash in LA and I said, never again, if you tell me to share, and I, that should be my focus anyway, but I don't care what celebrity you tell me to share to. I'm going to share what you told me to share with that person, no matter what. It has caused me to put everything back in perspective because the time is so short. Okay, you and I, I got to make sure everybody knows how much amazing stuff you've got. Explain what people are going to get when they read this phenomenal book. So Hobo is a, uh, a geopolitical kind of apocalyptic uh, thriller it's about a guy that deploys to Afghanistan on his, he's on his fourth deployment and he's close to retirement. And a lot of this stuff is based off my own experiences being over there and, and just kind of, I got the idea while I was there. This was back in 2013. And, and while he's there, the U.S. Uh, collapses economically. So now they're kind of stranded over there. He, it's about a journey, his journey back, back home to get home to his family. And he's not a Christian, but along the way things happen. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it takes kind of a turn for the supernatural at a certain point. So what are some bullet points wrapping up this episode? You can give people why you think that Christ is right around the corner. Uh, everything is set. The stage is set. They're really just waiting for the lights to go on and the curtain to go up. So the stage is definitely set. I was just out in Israel. Sam and Kevin Sorbo had a mission trip out there three years ago, right before 
the COVID hit, my husband and I went out there, there's about 40 people on this trip. And it's like we saw exactly where the Battle of Armageddon is going to take place. It's just unbelievable. All right, Pete, where is the church here in the last days? What's your insight on that? In Revelation 2 and 3, uh, we have the seven letters to the seven churches. What a lot of people don't realize is that Paul also wrote seven letters to seven churches. When you take away the duplicates and you take away the pastoral letters like to Timothy and to Titus, Paul wrote to seven churches. And um, Jesus also had seven kingdom parables. And all three of those align together in a way that is, is very unique and very fascinating. And um, so when you have the first, uh, you have the first letter to the church at Ephesus, uh, the Pauline epistle that would, uh, that would obviously go along with that would be like Ephesians. Uh, and then um, the, the kingdom parable with that would be like the sower. Smyrna, you would have uh, the church, uh, uh, the letter to the Philippians, which is uh, commonly associated with joy through suffering. And we know that the church in Smyrna were, were persecuted church. Um, the the par- kingdom parable that ties in with that is the, the, the uh, parable of the tares. Pergamos, uh, the Pauline epistles, because Pergamos, the name itself means kind of like this mixed marriage. And there's kind of this worldly element to it um, is the letters to the Corinthians. And so we see that was one of the. The, the two epistles that Paul wrote that, that he's kind of uh, chastising them for, for allowing some things to go on in their church there. Um, and then the kingdom parable with that is the mustard seed, Thyatira, um, you know, that uh, ties in with Galatians and against this idea of religious externalism. And then you have the, king, the kingdom parable of uh, the leaven, Sardis, the dead church that, that is ties in with the, uh, Romans and then the kingdom of uh, the parable of the field. Uh, you have the church of Philadelphia that ties in with Thessalonians and that ties in with the Pearl of Great Price. And then the Laodiceans, which I believe that that's where we are today, this age of um, where the, the Laodicean church is the predominant church of the age. And that ties in with the Colossians and then the uh, parable of the dragnet. So I think that those churches um, are. Prophetic. I mean, there obviously those churches existed in the first century. Sure. Um, but it's also applicable to churches of all ages because he, Jesus says in there, you know, he that has an ear, let him hear. But the way that the churches are structured and the way that the order that they're given in is significant because historically we can look back and see how those churches align to those particular periods of time. So if we are in the uh, Laodicean church age, and so the last four churches kind of overlap each other, right? But the predominant uh, direction of the churches today, particularly in Western, um, the Western civilization is that, you know, we have to be inclusive. We have to be tolerant. We have to accept gay priests and transgender priests and this, that critical race theory, all of that stuff is being foisted upon the church and any church that doesn't want to toe the line, they're getting just crushed, right? They're yes. getting destroyed. They're being censored. They're being blacklisted. And so we're seeing that today. And so that, that to me is another one of the biggest signs that we're in the last days is that the, the direction that the, the Christendom is taking in the world today. So there's fewer and fewer uh, Bible teaching, God-fearing churches in the world. And that's sad, but also a sign of the times, like you said. When you were talking about that, the one thing that came in my brain is there is a seven feasts. Well, the mm-hmm. very next feast is the Feast of Trumpets. Oh, yeah. Rapture time, baby. Rapture time. 
you have a lot of a lot of dirt that we need to grab on to read and get. <laughs> so everybody tuning in today, let's get a Bible in every hand in America, Pete, and beyond, and Jesus in every heart. The time is of the essence. Thank you for your time. Everybody grab his book, check out the show notes, share this show with everybody. So many people are interested in end time prophecy. Why? Because churches aren't addressing it. And just dig in deep to your Bible and ask God to give you clarity. A lot of people ask me, I'm sure they ask you, Pete, as well. Why do I not know some of the stuff that God's told you? If we dig in and read his word, God will reveal. So thank you for heeding to the word of the Lord when he spoke to you at the back of the pew at Fort Campbell in that church service went against your wishes, but your mom's like, get in there. Thank the Lord that you were in there, that God spoke to you and you were obedient. Thank you for all your hard work to wake up the masses. It's been a joy and a pleasure having you on the program today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Go get them. Thanks for listening to the Counterculture Mom Show with Tina Griffin on the Salem Radio Network. Check out all of our helpful resources at counterculturemom.com. You can also get our free parent media guide loaded with positive entertainment options by texting the word guide to the number 55444. And don't forget to download the new Counterculture Mom app to get critical pop culture alerts straight to your phone. Depression, anxiety, fear. Life isn't the problem. Your mind is. You can heal your wounded mind. Roman Garcia, mind medic, former FBI special agent, and tactical medic turned life coach. Roman helps you repair your emotional wounds. Stop feeling powerless. Enjoy life again and regain control over your health, wealth, and relationships. Visit mind-medic.com for a free conversation with Roman. That's mind-medic.com.